Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today we'll be taking a look at the new Nick Cage thriller by Panos Kosmatos. Uh, Mandy will also be taking a gander at the new Western comedy The Sisters Brothers by Jacques Odar. Uh, I want to take a gander at some horror movies. This is the season of The Witch, Andy. Yep. And I want to talk about what is available on streaming services for you to watch this October. We've got a hot list and it's good stuff. But first, the news and our first story. After, <laughs> after, this is what happens when Chrome doesn't load for me. Every time. <laughs> I make it through all of this. I get through the rundown, and then here I am. Uh, Birds of Prey adds Journey, Smollett, Bell, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Black Canary and Huntress, respectively. Birds of Prey is a DC property. Andy, you're a comic book guy. What is this all about? Uh, so we're slowly filling out the Birds of Prey team, which uh, in total is Batgirl... Harley Quinn and then uh, uh, Huntress and Black Canary, which uh, fill out the team. Right. This is a DC squad. Yes. Are they villains like in Suicide Squad? Uh, it's a l little bit like that. Um, I mean, they're crime fighters. Um, a little bit of history on on those two characters, at least. Uh, Black Canary has traditionally been the love interest of Oliver Cle Queen, who is uh, Green, Green Arrow. Green Arrow yep. Exactly. She's a crime fighter, martial artist, and uh, has like this super scream that uh, can break things or make you deaf. DC is trying so hard to break into the comic book film uh, universe, and they just seem to struggle. Uh, why? Why put their chips on Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn? Uh, you know, that's a really <laughs> that's a really good question. Yes. Um, I think she was a really she was a really popular character despite Suicide Squad being underwhelming and I mean they've greenlit four Harley Quinn based movies. There's there's the Sirens movie which is uh, Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, Catwoman. Then there's the Joker and Harley Quinn movie. Then there's Birds of Prey and then there's also Suicide Squad Suicide Squad two. So right. Well, the first one won an Academy Award, Andy. That's so right. Naturally. Uh, I, I guess I don't have much else to say about this other than uh, it following in the wake of something like Wonder Woman. Uh, does it seem like DC like is really doubling down on the female-based leads because of things like the Me Too movement and because women in film are underrepresented and damn it, they deserve more screen time? Or is it a desperate cash grab uh, in an attempt to get in on uh, what Marvel's already got cooking? It can be a, a little of both. A little I, of both, I, I think. think. Yeah, yeah. I think they, they are definitely trying to have better representation and draw a wider crowd. And what I've said before is that, you know, it's hard to write the big characters really well. Batman, Superman, you know, the, the people expect a lot. But when you bring in new characters, especially characters that people don't know, expectations are much lower because people just don't know what to expect. I think you're right. I, I worry they're doing the right thing for the wrong reasons, but if you're doing the right thing, ultimately, isn't that good? So I, yes. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but either way, I dig Mary, I dig Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I actually just watched uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World over the weekend again. Yeah. Uh, now on Netflix. Great movie. Um, so I guess we'll see. We'll keep you posted here on Offscript. The next story we have, a new Deadpool movie is coming out. This December, yes, <laughs> featuring Princess Bride star Fred Savage, uh, and you can't make this stuff up. Yes, uh, Fox announced it release it will release an untitled Deadpool movie in theaters on December twenty first. No other details have been given. The studio encouraged the press to quote guess away. So that's what we know. Yeah, I I'm not convinced that this is a real movie. I think this is some sort of marketing gimmick. Uh, oh, it's definitely a marketing gimmick. Yes, I. I mean, I don't know if they maybe they did shoot a secret movie that that would be really cool, but I, I 
I feel like it's too soon after the previous Deadpool, which was came out in May. Um, so I think we might just be a little bit too Deadpooled out. Right. Uh, so let's let's talk about what we know because I agree. I, I I think this is totally a marketing gimmick, and I think. Uh, well, we'll talk about why I think they're doing it here in a minute, but let's talk about what we know. Uh, Ryan Reynolds released a photo on Friday morning on Twitter featuring himself in a uh, full Deadpool outfit with a Santa hat on, uh, reading a bedtime story to Fred Savage, an ode to the Princess Bride. Uh, over the last few weeks, sources have indicated to uh, Collider, the journalistic integ I don't know what I'm going for here. The place that wrote this article, uh, that this new Deadpool Film movie, website. the website, that's the term, the website, that's what I'm looking for. The new Deadpool movie will be PG-13. That's the rumor anyway. So one can surmise uh, that it's going to take it a little easy. Uh, it's not going to be, you know, the hard R that it usually needs to be. People are speculating that this might just be like a super cut of Deadpool 2 uh, without like, I don't know the the raunchy stuff. Other people are saying it, it's it's fresh content. Nobody knows. No nobody knows what exactly yeah, this no. is. Yeah, but it, it it's a it got everyone's attention. It's a brilliant marketing ploy. We don't know what it is, but something from Deadpool is coming in December. One thing's for sure. Uh, they're definitely throwing a, a, a Deadpool sh a Deadpool shaped grenade into December twenty first because we were talking about it on the show prior. That is a hot day at the movies this year. Yeah, they got like six things coming out. Which actually leads into our next story. Uh, Deadpool 2 has, has, by sliding into December 21st, seemingly unsettled a lot of other things Fox had scheduled out. Specifically, Alita Battle Angel, the new James Cameron film, uh, is now moving from December 21st to February 14th, 2019. So that's jumping to Valentine's Day, which is a big move. They're also moving, and this just came out, right? Dark right. Phoenix, which mm -hmm. the trailer just came out for. They're moving that to... June 7th out of so that was supposed to be February that's getting bumped to June 7th uh, and then they're also moving the Gambit movie which has not <laughs> entered production is still seeking a director I don't think it's ever going to happen I don't think it's ever going to happen it's um, wishful thinking on Fox's part they've moved the Gambit movie from June of next year to sometime in 20 uh, March 2020 I'm sorry that's that's when they moved that again no director yet. Channing, Channing Tatum still attached to Star, so good good for him. Uh, I, Why are they moving things around? And why are they, especially for the Deadpool movie, what's happening? Okay, so we know that December 21st is a hot date, so that's probably a good incentive to move. I think it's probably smart for Alita Bat Battle Angel to mm. move to Valentine's Day. That'll be a good date movie, I think, possibly. Um, but then also Dark Phoenix, though, it, that's that's trouble because that was supposed to come out in November. So that was supposed to come out in a month from now, and now it's a summer movie. Right. Meanwhile, you've got things like, um, oh, God, what was the name of that? New Mutants? Right. Whatever happened to that? That got moved back even further. There was, there was a trailer. That movie's happening. Like, there's footage of that, but here we are. Like, that still hasn't happened. So I guess... That'll have to be a post-Dark Phoenix thing at this point, so... Yeah, I mean, that's turned into being delayed almost right. two years, a year and a half. That's coming up on just not happening, which is a frightening thing. But the movie shot. Somebody's going to make money off it somewhere. Maybe it'll be direct to Netflix or something. Yeah. I don't know, but... Uh, another big reason these movies are getting moved, uh, people are speculating at least, that it's because of uh, audiences in China. Um, apparently... Uh, for Alita Battle Angel, which is based on a very popular manga of the same name, 
that would be popular in China, and that would be moving to coming out right after the Chinese New Year, which apparently is a big day at the movies over there. Also, uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix, that's a June slot, because apparently, after the trailer came out, it earned something like 44 million views just out of China alone. Right. People want to see that movie. Uh, wow. Which, uh, you know... Hey, yeah, the, the trailer was okay. It wasn't amazing. I know, man. I know. You never know what to predict out of uh, out of China, but that's that's a big enough market to move the needle. Clearly, uh, and whatever's going to happen, I guess in a way, I like that Fox is throwing in uh, a little bit of a bomb on on December twenty first, just to, just to shake things up. You've got it competing with the likes of Aquaman and Holmes and Watson and a couple other movies that Bumblebee. are coming out that day. Bumblebee is coming out that day. Uh, it's interesting. I don't like the idea that movie studios are just going to start doing this and throwing this, like throwing shade at each other at the box office, because no matter what, you're taking sales away from your competition. And when you're willing to move things around this fast and go, ah, we're just throwing this, this, this movie at out at you. We don't know what it's about. Good luck. Like it's a weird play. And in a way it feels kind of underhanded and I don't like it. I don't, I don't like that. I mean, I just don't. Like, right? Like, welcome to the business. Yeah, I know. This is this is the December slate, and this is where Fox is. Like, oh, we're just gonna throw some random Deadpool in there. Good luck. Good luck figuring it out. Um, I get it's viral. I get it's Deadpool, but I, I'm just not into. I'm into bold cinema. All right. I want I want release dates. I want to know when things are coming out, especially films that uh, we often can't find release dates for, uh, or we don't know if they're gonna be in our in our town. Um, when it comes to the big ones, the AAA stuff, like I'd appreciate it if they were just straightforward, but. That's not how the internet works, I guess. That's not how viral marketing works, and I guess it is what it is. That being said, any other thoughts before we... Uh... I'm ready to move on. Great. Uh, yeah, you were ready to move on before I started that whole <laughs> spiel, but here we are. Yes, uh, the first film of the evening, Panos Cosmatos... Cosmatos? Pa Mandy. <laughs> so, I've been given the wonderful task of summarizing Mandy, and I think I can do it in a very efficient manner. All right. Mandy's a very simple story, and I respect it. Uh, it's just told in a complex way, and that's a sign of a good film. Yes. Manny is the story of Red, a lumberjack in 1984, Ohio? Not Ohio. Where is it, he? It looks like Alaska or somewhere somewhere remote. Somewhere remote, yes. Uh, he's got a girlfriend named Mandy, a simple gal who wears punk rock t-shirts and reads a lot of paperbacks. Uh, Mandy is walking along the street one day, and she happens to pass a van full of a local cult and its head member, uh, its leader, I guess, sees her and suddenly struck, falls madly in love with Mandy. Uh, he decides, I, I, I have to have her. Bring her here. Uh, his cult recruits a, uh, a local biker gang to kidnap Mandy, uh, and after they, they, they take her to, to him and some horrible happenings occur, Red finds himself uh, driven to uh, revenge and, and to go find his loved one and, and, and make those cult cultists pay <laughs> right. for ruining his life. Uh, that's the summary for Mandy, uh, told in its most simple way. Mandy's a very complex film. Yes. And again, uh, the thing I love about it is that it's, it's a simple story told in a really complex way. It reminds me of something like Alien, a movie about space truckers who have to deal with this thing on their ship, or Predator, a movie about a bunch of soldiers out in the woods who suddenly have to deal with this thing hunting them down. It's very simple, but it's told in a complex manner. If you haven't seen a trailer, Mandy is a LSD-fueled psychological trip of something I would liken to a Kubrick film or uh, Cronenberg. Who, who's it you said? Da David I mean, uh, Lynch, even yeah. some Terrence Malick, maybe. What did you think of Mandy? So, so to start, I didn't know anything about this movie 
I hadn't seen a trailer. I'd seen some posters, and I had just heard a lot of buzz. I heard that Nick Cage gave a really good performance, and I heard that the movie was really something else and really intense, and you got to go see it. Um, So I went in there completely blind and was really pretty blown away because, I mean, I don't even know what the premise was. I don't even know what the story was about. Um, So all that got to be unraveled before me. Um, But, man, it is something else because it is told in this drug-fueled kind of way. There are only a few scenes where people are on, you know, substances, but there will be huge amounts of time where a character is talking and the screen is just awash in blues and reds and kind of washing over itself and there will be distorted voices. And it's like really, really prolonged. Like the way it, the movie takes its time and really focuses on people's faces is just like excruciatingly long, but in a good way. It's very much a sensory experience and a little bit of sensory overload. Right. Uh, yeah. I, to, to compare this to something like Assassination Nation from last week would be a mistake because while it has a lot of bold colors, like this is a whole other level of confident. This movie has an identity. Uh, the, the creator, uh, Panos, again, can't say his last name, Cosmatos. I don't know. Uh, he also created Beyond the Black Rainbow, which if you haven't seen that, uh, another similar kind of structure. His movies are very, uh, very stylized. Similar to something like Wes Anderson, um, but in a different way. Uh, His movies are lots of harsh, 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 harsh color. Lots of reds and blues, and that is all you're looking at. Uh, Lots of film grain. That's a thing in his movie. This movie, very much so high film grain. Lots of lens flare. Apparently, he's got this trick where he likes to point LEDs at at the camera, at the camera lens from like off, off frame. So you get this really cool like pop of color in the middle of your frame. He's got a funny aspect ratio. I don't, it's not four by three, but it's something different. Right. Uh, he's got a funny editing style. He does a lot of very long takes and also a lot of very quick cuts uh, in this movie. Lots of t- different typography. Um, an incredible score by Johan Johansson, his last film score. That's right. Uh, which I- I'd agree with. I think Rolling Stone said this. Worth seeing just for the score. Honestly. Yeah. It-, it, is, Absolutely. it is an incredible score. We saw it at... Texas theater. It was so freaking loud. My God. Like at first I, I thought maybe I should go ask to have him turn it down, but it's one of those movies where like the louds are louds and the quiet are quiet for a reason. So yeah. it's worth playing out. There's a lot to talk about in this movie. Um, first let's talk about tone. It is, it is an uncomfortably bold presentation, right? So the, you, you got to get into it. Yeah, definitely. So the way it starts, it's very much, it, it, it has an indie feel, you know, you, Nick Cage is uh, he's a lumberjack and lives a simple life and he's got this he's got this rock girlfriend and everything's very simple but then when you when we meet the cult people and especially the, the biker gang we we start to get into a more uh, almost homage to 80 slasher films yeah in in a big way and and just the the like I said when we get these prolonged speeches by the cult leader, which is a lot of drivel and doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And a played, lot of it played is played brilliantly by Linus Roach, by yeah, the, who's the dad and who's Thomas Wayne in the uh, Christopher Nolan Batman films. Oh, fun fact! Wow. I, I know, very unrelated, but yeah. Um. So, so I mean, the movie is very violent, very gory. Uh. So we get again the 80s homage but it's also like it has elements of 2001 and just like the psychedelic nature of it right uh it's set in 84 again just like beyond the black rainbow oddly enough both set in 84 uh and it's very much 80s definitely um looking at interviews with panos he doesn't lean away from that that's intentional uh he he, he wants it to have some kind of nostalgic feel to make us feel i, I don't know closer to it but 
uh, this movie definitely has a presentation not only in its lighting and in its color, but also in its metaphor. Uh, for example, the biker gang. They they look right out of Hellraiser, like the four yeah, of them. They they are not completely. normal by any means. It is clearly a, a Clyde Barker tribute. They are these extreme, like monstrous, dark forms and shape. Uh, they exhibit violence uh, when they when they actually go when when they show up when they're essentially summoned by the cult. Uh, there's this whole ritual with this crazy like light effect and then when they actually do the kidnapping of mandy they got this wacky strobe effect that like honestly yeah i i still find hard to believe is in a film nowadays without any kind of epilepsy warning like yeah genuinely uh really crazy stuff and it just has this again just a confidence to it that, and it takes a while to get into it took me probably 10 or 15 minutes to kind of get into the movie and like okay i kind of I'm kind of on board with what it's doing, and just like 2001, like you got to get into it because if you don't, if you don't fall into what this movie is talking about, if you don't kind of get lulled into the uh, the dreamlike state in which it expects you to get into, you're you're going to be falling short when you get to the turn of the film. Yeah, um, I wanted to talk about Nick Cage's performance because that's one thing I had heard a lot about. It's really pretty incredible. I I kind of dismiss most of his films uh, these days. Um, he doesn't actually talk a lot doesn't have a lot of dialogue most of his acting is all through screams or right. <laughs> or grunts or action yeah. uh as he is going through this uh re- revenge film um a lot lot of body horror a lot of like things that make you w- you wince but uh yeah he just had a really convincing performance as as this kind of uh vigilante or whatever first person getting hero in a way yeah he, yeah the hero of the story um going to get to get revenge uh and he essentially kind of uh, and i pointed this out after the show he, he essentially is a christ figure of sorts he is yeah there, there's very much a a kind of running theme here of descending into hell and coming back out i think it's very clear by the lighting but also the violence yeah. within um, and man, it is a long, slow burn to actually get there. I bet best I heard it described as the movie split into two parts. There are, there are three title cards in the film. Halfway through the film, you get the actual title card for the film Mandy. And it's, that's essentially where you get the turn and suddenly it's okay. It's all violence from here on out. And it's tremendous. Cause again, it is a long, slow burn to get there. But once you do, it is nothing but excitement on the way back out, uh, which is great. A lot of, of good practical effects as far as that stuff is concerned uh and a lot of great editing techniques Uh, the two films i was reminded of as far as special effects go are one blade runner 2049 not only in the score but there's that scene in in 2049 where you've got the two women like the hologram and the other one laid on top of each other and you get a really cool similar visual effect uh in a scene a one take scene long take uh with the cult leader giving a speech and like a face laid over it. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other film I would relate this to is oddly enough, Raiders of the Lost Ark Spielberg towards the <laughs> okay. end. You remember what I'm talking about? Uh, there's a scene in, in this movie where, where Nicholas Cage tries one of a handful of substances that are readily available uh, to the cast members, uh, whether that be cocaine or LSD. He tries one of these things and he gets this wacky like spike of, of, of effect where you get this face melting scene that looks yeah right out of the end of Raiders when what's his name uh, Belloc now Belloc's head explodes whatever's guys the, the, the guy in black yeah uh, his, his, his face melts and like it is 
so rad. And those are just two effects in this movie. There, there is a, a load of them, and they are all a treat to watch visually. They are, they're incredible looking. Right. Um, this, all, this reminds me of, you know, we get a lot of these different um, visual effects of, of different colors completely saturating the screen, but th- we also cut into several animated sections. Yes, Actually, you're right. As well, some of it rep- represents dreams. Some of it is just kind of in between scenes, but it's just another really crazy element that's thrown into the movie uh, to just try and to convey different feelings or different meanings. Yeah, in a very heavy metal fashion from the 80s. Yeah. That's exactly what that looked like. Um, there's a lot in here I can't recall because it's such an immersive experience. Like I was telling Andy, it's the first time in a really long time I walked out of a movie and thought, I, we went and saw it late at night, but if they had had another showing available, I, I might have considered buying another ticket and just watching it again right then. I want to go try to see it again this week because I... I so want to try to like get back into this movie and what it was doing and what it has to say uh it's super complex and again um some of the best stories we tell we're so desensitized by by marvel films and big triple a blockbusters and super complex plots and 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 villains that are going to blow up the world and heroes that come from another planet to save us like we forget the charm of like just a super simple story guy in the 80s girl gets kidnapped has to save her and and like turning that on its head and making something really complex and like how fascinating it can be. It's exactly what this movie was. Right. And that's, what's so interesting is it's, it's nothing that we haven't seen before. It's the, as far as the conflicts go, we've seen kidnapping, we've seen uh revenge film. We've seen the, you know, the kind of slashers that this is paying homage to, but just like it's in the telling that is so unique and such an experience. It's like, it's like getting on a ride. Yeah. And it's funny because this movie it has kind of a complex uh, history the way it came about. Originally, Nick Cage wanted to play... Or no, I'm sorry. Uh, the director spoke to him about playing the uh, cult leader, which would have been fine casting as far as I'm concerned. He would have been great, but uh, Nick Cage wanted to play the hero, Red. And and at the time, this was a few years ago before the movie was made, uh, Panos, uh, Cosmatos... Man, I'm going to get... I'm just going to butcher that the whole way. Uh, he said he wanted to be a younger character. It's supposed to be about young love and like it's supposed to be a thing. Um, and so they, they kind of shelved it and they didn't really talk about it. And then of all people, Elijah Wood of Lord of the Rings fame uh, talked to Nick Cage at a party once. And he told him, hey, listen, like they still haven't filled that part because he knew the director, I guess. Uh, you should talk to him again. And so they revisited it, and apparently Nick Cage convinced him that it's not a story about young love. It's a story about love regardless of age, and, like, this is still a story worth telling, and it totally works out, man. Because you're right, like, because I should say he's right. The parts do feel inherently young. Mandy Mandy feels older than she should be, really. Like, she could right. be, you know, 10, 15 years younger, and it would still work fine. 20 years younger, and it would still work fine. She's played brilliantly by Andrea, Andrea Riseborough. Um, but they do seem a little old. But that doesn't in any way like hinder the tale or the story or the value of it. Right. Um, it's still really cool and it still works really well. So, yeah, it doesn't have to be like this super engineered plot. It doesn't have to be like this super specific character story. It can just be like this charming little tale, almost a fairy tale of sorts, uh, and and work wonders. And I, I wish more movies were made like this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And also I wish they had wacky effects. Man, I... What a movie. Andy, <laughs> what would you recommend? I was about to ask, what did you think? Would you recommend Mandy? Um, yeah, a- absolutely. But with some caveats, um, you know, you have to get into what it's trying to, trying to do. If it's just 
you know, don't go see this with your casual <laughs> moviegoer friends. I, I feel like they may not like it. Um, also, some trigger warnings. It is excessively violent, mm. excessively violent, particularly violence towards women. Um, and so that's actually been a big thing in the last couple of weeks. So just so people know, um, be sure that you know what kind of violence that you're getting into and what you're okay with seeing and what your friends are okay with seeing. I uh, out of all of the out of all of the movies we've done on this show uh, so far, this one tops an odd list for me. Uh, man, I I loved this movie. I was so into it, and I'm normally not. No, normally, movies like this like takes me a couple watches. I wasn't into 2001 the first time, but like I I so got into what this was doing. If you can swing it, please God go see it at a theater. It is, it is a theatrical experience first and foremost believe it or not it's available to rent already uh at home i, I saw just the other night uh, my buddy pointed it out to me you can rent it on your xbox uh you can probably rent it on itunes again strongly encourage a theater if you can swing it I, it's yeah, hard to find definitely. screenings we had to go out of our way to find one if possible theater first if you can't if you got to watch it at home because i don't want you to miss it get yourself a good pair of headphones or some solid surround sound Turn off the lights. Wait till it's late when nobody's going to bother you. Turn off your phone and and try to get into this movie. And and it takes a little while to get on board. It takes 10 or 15 minutes, maybe 20, for you to kind of fall into where you're supposed to be. But, like, once you kind of get there, once you let your inhibitions go and just go for the ride that is Mandy, it is phenomenally enjoyable. It is an experience I cannot recommend Mandy enough. So that about covers that any other thoughts before we move on to uh, a different kind of conversation uh, just the last thing i wanted to mention is that johan johansson uh who tragically passed away about a year ago he was supposed to score blade runner 2049 and then at the last second i think about a month or so before the movie came out they scrapped whatever he had and went with hans zimmer um but after seeing this i was like man whatever he did for for blade Runner 2049 would have worked I feel, and it would be interesting to have to hear his score with that movie. I agree. I, I'd like. I, I can. I can only hope someday we get some kind of half release or something. Or hey, here's a track off of his score. Or, like here's what his main theme was for Blade Runner 2049. The the soundtrack is so tremendous and Mandy. Like I, I can't underscore that enough. Turn it up loud when you watch it. Like it is. It is fantastic work, um, and it's worth watching if only uh, to enjoy the music. Um, Everything else is icing on the cake, and it's a great cake and totally worth eating. That's enough of that analogy. <laughs> the next thing we need to talk about, October Horror. My, 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 not my favorite month of the year, but one I love for cinema. I don't have any kind of music for this, I guess. Do you got any... We'll think of something. We'll go for like a <laughs> Halloween theme or something. <laughs> yeah. It'll be fine. Not the Monster Mash. Not the Monster Mash. <laughs> Anything but the Monster Mash. Uh, I want to talk about watching movies in October, specifically horror movies. And I, I haven't given Andy a whole lot of rundown on this, so let me explain. All right. This will be fairly <laughs> candid. Uh, each October, I try to watch a boatload of horror films because what better time than the season of The Witch, man? It's cold outside. It's windy. Leaves are falling off trees. Like, it's perfect time to watch, to watch some good old-fashioned horror movies. And there is a ton of horror out there. And there's lots of classics, there's modern classics, there's there's avant-garde, there's vintage stuff, there's cheesy stuff, there's goofy horror, like there's so many different places you can go. I want to talk about today, just to kick off October, 
streaming and what's available and what you can watch and what you can't watch and what you don't have to go get. I've got some favorites. Andy's got some favorites. I did way too much research this morning and put together <laughs> a stupid long list of what we can and can't watch. And I want to hit the hits on each streaming service, which, which are Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, and HBO. I want to tell you what's good on there and then some other stuff just in case you're interested. So I think the best way to do this. All right. Hear all right. me out. Okay. I'm going to rattle off. Um, the, the four or five that I've got highlighted on each one of these, and then you tell me some of your favorites, what you think. Right. We'll rattle off the rest of them, and then we'll move on. We're going to be quick. Okay, okay. All right, because there's a lot. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start with Netflix. If you have a Netflix account, here are your hot hits for the month. The Shining by Stanley Kubrick, 1980s. Sixth Sense, Seven, Hellraiser, and Hellraiser 2, by the way, and The Witch, which we just watched last week. All of those are on Netflix all month strongly recommend the shining and you got any favorites on there yeah i mean obviously the shining probably one of the best uh films of all time oh, a classic lots of mystery lots of ambiguity mm-hmm. lots of uh famous theories about the shining may be up there as a potential halloween evening watch that's how much i respect the shining as a horror film like oh man i can't i got the blu-ray i can't wait to like hang out wait till 2 a.m and watch it alone it still creeps me out to this day believe it or not like i still watch it and i get i get goosebumps uh other things on netflix worth your time if you're into it constantine the conjuring the babadook it follows hellbound hellraiser 2 tucker and dale versus evil creep and cube which is a 1997 film uh, a lot like Saw, actually. If oh, okay, seen okay. It. Yeah, I never have, but I want to watch it this year. A lot of good stuff. Amazon Prime, the hot hits are Jaws, Spielberg, Night of the Living Dead, Chopping Mall, which I'll talk about in a second, <laughs> and Paranormal Activity. Andy, anything on here that you're really into? Um, Actually, uh, no. I was going to say Neon Demon isn't really a horror movie. Well, no, but I heard it had horror elements. Uh... I mean, Maybe. in the same way, I wouldn't say Tucker and Dale versus Evil on Netflix is really a horror movie, but like, I don't know, it kind of counts. Uh, it's no. Uh, I would Demon. disagree with that. I haven't that, seen that's, it. That's the only so thing. So I, yeah. I was going to watch it in October, but maybe that one's worth passing. Oh, maybe, by. maybe. No, you know what? That's a good idea. Okay, we, we could talk about what, Neon Demon. Yeah, we can talk about what is like what horror elements are sure. there and what's what's not. Uh, on Amazon Prime, other hot hits if you have a Prime account. Carrie, What We Do in the Shadows, Green Room, It Comes at Night, Bone Tomahawk, a hot Kurt Russell film that I haven't seen, actually, I don't want to, Neon Demon, and Jeepers Creepers, starring Justin Long. A lot of good stuff on Prime, not quite as impressed as the Netflix picks. Yeah, I do. I'm a big fan of It Comes at Night. I really enjoyed that movie. We talked about it on the show. Um, it's, it's, it, ha- it does that thing, again, great mood lots of ambiguity like yeah. the, like the shining and mm-hmm. it has uh, some good themes it's a post-apocalyptic kind of horror thriller uh hulu if you're on hulu here's the list american psycho the blair witch project child's play the first chucky film if you didn't know and the fly the cronenberg film starring oh, jeff right. goldblum good <laughs> stuff there's a lot on hulu actually this is the longest list out of all of these andy any favorites on here um looking through uh shutter island's good that's that's got some some horror elements the only scorsese horror on this list if you want some good old-fashioned martin scorsese horror shutter island is the film for you uh mother mother is on, is on here i i would not consider that horror and i mean mother's in a category all its own okay 
um, we we should probably it'd be good to do to just see that so we can talk about it uh, mm. on the show. Some of these you uh, did see it once. Yeah, I missed that week. Uh, the Blair Witch Project. Uh, it I feel like the Blair Witch Project. It's kind of like Mandy. You have to really get into it, and you have to remember it came out in '99 before found footage was a thing, and before the internet, and it was being touted as as found footage as in this is man you got to see this this is the real tape like right now, now we we hear found footage and we just roll our eyes because we know it's obviously not but back then we didn't know and a lot of people thought it was really real stuff and when you look at it in through that lens it's way more creepy yeah it's a tremendous product of its time not only was it one of the first films out there to really really utilize the internet in a way that it hadn't before right um but yeah you're you're absolutely right it was touted as found footage i mean that was the thing on like random forums and message boards they had people posting stuff they were like hey i heard about this movie shot out here in the woods or hey yeah did you hear about these people like they made this so legit and this was before viral marketing was a thing this is one of the first things to do it where they were like it's totally real and people were sitting in the theater day one the night it came out going oh my god this really happened to people like they thought it was legit they really did and no movie has been able to recreate that since because because now of we the know Blair Witch Project. Yeah, yeah right exactly it was the first film one and to, done, baby. to use that gag yeah it, it's it's a great movie in that way so even if it's not that scary scary if it's not that scary looking back it's a great horror film for October. The other hits on Hulu, and again, long list here. If you got a friend, get their password. Children of the Corn, <laughs> VHS, a fun one for Halloween. Shutter Island, Mother, the, Amityv- the Amityville Horror, the first one, the 1979 one, not the Ryan Reynolds one. Pumpkinhead, a classic. The Others, The Nightmare Before Christmas, arguably a Christmas film. Signs by M. Night Shyamalan, a favorite of mine. Species, Jigsaw, uh, the new Saw film. And, oddly enough, the only Saw film to top any of these. Wow. I couldn't find oh, I a single that. Saw film on any streaming site except for Hulu. They have the new Jigsaw. 28 weeks later, and The Hills Have Eyes from 1977. Quite a list on Hulu. I was yeah. really impressed. I did want to mention uh, The Others. Uh, I saw that in the theater when it, uh, when it came out. I still out. remember that movie. Yeah. Yeah, it, it has some some good scares. There were a couple I definitely like. just about had a heart attacks at several, yep. several points in that movie. The Others starring Nicole Kidman, right? Yeah. It's good stuff. I, I know. I put it on here, and I was I figured people might forget it. Like, nobody's going to remember The Others. No, man. The Others is actually a cool movie. Like, The Others is worth your time. HBO Go and Now, the uh, the avocado to the Chipotle of streaming services. <laughs> this is the one you've got if you've got a rich friend. Yeah, you, or won, you one percenters out there. You're very fortunate. <laughs> That's right. Uh, here's what you got on HBO, the hot list. Aliens, which, by the way, this is Aliens, but I'm pretty sure Alien is on there. And if I had to recommend one for Halloween, it'd be Alien. That one's definitely more yeah. horror than action horror in Aliens. But Alien, The Silence of the Lambs, It, the 2017 remake, and Predator, the original, which is essentially a slasher film. You can't convince me otherwise. Andy, any hot picks on here? Um, yeah, obviously, these are mostly classics, actually. Silence of the Lambs, It. Alien, aliens. Uh, I do want to point out the the descent um, from two thousand five. So, yeah, I yeah. saw this a few years after it came out, and the thing about the descent, it, it's got some good scares, but it you know it takes place primarily in caves. It's with this group of women that go cave diving, mm-hmm. and they find like you know creatures or whatever. But part of what works for that movie is that it's so claustrophobic. Oh, like yeah. there's all these these points where they're like trying to squeeze through these really tight spaces and they get stuck and there's like rocks and there's water and it's like it makes you it makes your throat close up makes you feel like the room's closing in on you like the the claustrophobia is real with that movie and that's part of what makes it such effective horror. It's true. I don't mean to get too spoilery but it did come out 
13 years ago. I didn't like the way that movie ended because the first half is so strong. Yeah, where yeah. They're, just, they're going further and further into the caves and their situation's getting worse and worse. And then the second half, it just turns into a goofy monster movie. And I was like, okay. That. I have heard there are multiple endings and I think like the British or European or there's a, one of the endings is considerably better than what really? ever, ever the, the American ending was. Mm. There's a lot of good stuff on this list. And, and while in, in years past, I thought to myself, there's not enough good horror for me to get all the way through October. Uh, like I said, I had a buddy who used to watch one horror film every night of October, which is insane. I cannot commit to that. Uh, but he would be able to look at a list like this and you could genuinely go one horror movie every night and make it work. There's over yeah. 30 here. And these are just the ones I picked. There's still stuff on there like that's not as popular but would still make the list. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of good horror out there. And if you're looking to save a couple bucks, if you already have a streaming service, I, I think you can't go wrong. And some of these cross over, I should have I mentioned. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely some on Netflix that are on Amazon and vice versa. Go looking. But if you're looking for a hot list, this is it. I'd like to figure out a way to put this on the internet, and I don't know, there's got to be where we can do it, like Facebook or something. Yeah. It's more interesting than just a freaking list, but I don't know. If you see it, throw us a like, do us a solid, throw us a share. How about that? Those are big points. But otherwise, that's streaming in October. There's a lot of horror. There's a lot of good stuff. Get out there. Watch some scary movies. It's good for you. I think next week, if I want to break down anything, I want to get into maybe you and I's, hear me out, top 10 horror. You yeah. Can, you can throw together a top 10 list. Probably. Maybe. It'll probably be more recent, though. Mine will be top 10 in no particular order. Because I don't know if I can... Yes, that's, when that's, I, when I get to that's like always the, best. Yeah, when I get to the top that's four what, or five, it's going to hurt. That's so. what Roger Ebert would do. He, that's what, <laughs> the great... He, he, the great Roger Ebert would make lists in alphabetical order. Well, that's... There you go. Did he really do alphabetical? Yeah, good for him. because he didn't believe in top 10 lists. That's fantastic. Well, uh, that about wraps our horror stuff. I thought that'd take longer than it would, but I think, honestly, we put out way too much information as it is, so <laughs> let's fine. just move right along. Uh, the last film of the evening. Andy, please. The Sisters Brothers. We're the Sisters Brothers. We're good at what we do. So this is the new uh, Western by Jacques Audiard, French director, starring John C. Riley and Joaquin Phoenix as the titular characters. Uh, they play bounty hunters who are pretty good at what they do and have a little bit of a reputation, not as big as they would like. Um, at the beginning of the film, they are contracted out by uh, their employer known simply as the Commodore, and they are contracted out to hunt down Riz Ahmed's character, uh, who is named Herman Warm, who has stolen something valuable from the Commodore and who everyone seems to be after. And what he has is very valuable to a number of people and that kind of sets up the film and we also have Jake Gyllenhaal who's also a bounty hunter but he he's a little bit different he's a little bit more refined uh but that's the setup and this is all all towards uh, in the backdrop of the 1840s gold rush in California right uh this is Jacques Audiard I think so. I don't know it's his first English language film he's done other films but in other languages this is his first one going in America and for America Shooting for 1840s West, that's a big it's a big one. You're yeah. going for a lot. Traditional Western, yeah. I got to be honest, uh, I, I struggled to find the tone of this movie, which is saying a lot because the other movie we watched this week was Mandy. And like, if there's a movie you should struggle to get on board with, it's that one. But this one, yeah. I really had a time. And I do wonder if part of that is because of the dialogue being written by a person who's not traditionally American. It just feels a little stilted. It's hard to get into at first. Uh, I felt like the actors were kind of just saying their lines and not really 
going for it. And and to be honest, I wouldn't expect that from this cast. They're they're too good. So right. so it is based on a book by uh, Patrick Dewitt. So they are working off that source material. Right. Uh, but but you're right. It it. So the trailer portrays it as a Western comedy, mm-hmm. and there are some comedic elements, but it's not really that. To me, it's much more just kind of a straightforward drama. Yeah. It, totally, I struggled to get into it, and we, and we should talk about why. But I did, I did, I do think I ended up liking it at the end of the day. So a Western drama versus a comedy. Where does this movie go wrong, I guess? Well, like you said, it's just inconsistent in its tone at the beginning. I do like where, where it went. Like, the first act... I wasn't completely on board with, but Acts 2 and 3, I really like where the movie goes. And I do think it, it kind of is very good by that point. But, yeah, it's kind of all over the place. You don't know, is it you know, is it going to be about the relationship between the two brothers? Is it going to be a comedy? Is it going to be about them chasing down uh, Herman Warm? Uh, you just don't really know. Right. At first, a title like The Sisters Brothers, you assume it's going to be primarily about family. And I think it kind of is but at the same time it isn't yeah it, it, it to me it, it struggles to find its place in like what exactly its messaging is it, it kind of yeah. takes on too many you've got elements of love and adoration versus family uh versus uh you've, you've got two guys kind of out on the lamb doing their own thing and you've got these characters who who have something valuable and are trying to get away and then they they all I don't know. I don't. I don't want to give anything away. But I, I, I had a time like really figuring out what the message is in this movie, what the core theme is. Right. Um, well, let let me start. Uh, I would do want to get to that, but before that, let me start with the relationship between the brothers. Okay. So John C. Riley, he's the the older sister brother, Eli. Eli, and he. <laughs> it sounds funny to say sister brother. Right. Uh, and and but he's he doesn't like being a bounty hunter. He's good at it. It's, but it's just the job. He would prefer not to have to kill people and not to have to chase people and kind of fight for your life on a on a daily basis. And he's just he's an overall nicer person. Like he's he displays like compassion and like he's just overall nicer. Um, and then Joaquin Phoenix is the kind of the opposite. He loves the violence. He's a little bit addicted to it. And he like he's mean. He's he's really rude to. He's a he's an avid drinker. Yeah, he, he's a, he's a mean mean drunk. Mm. Um, yeah. So so we get a really interesting dynamic because they have a little bit of a love hate relationship, but they they really do care about each other, especially uh, John C. Riley's character. And he he knows where this path ends. He knows like if we continue being bounty hunters we're eventually just going to end up dead right we, we murder enough people on a daily basis like eventually this will come back right exa- right exa- no, <laughs> no exactly that. so but that but that relationship between the two brothers uh is is really central to the film and i think really cares it by the end uh similarly enough we get we get that same or a similar relationship between jake gyllenhaal and riz ahmed's character who they, they are similar in that they are both kind of learned men uh Herman Warm is played by Riz Ahmed is a chemist. Um Jake Gyllenhaal, he writes in his journal, he's he uses big words. He has an accent. Yeah, he yeah. he's a little yeah, he's got a, a a hint of an English accent. Yeah, just a hint of an English accent. Um he's very pretentious. Uh but but they're, you know, they form a a bond uh as well. And so I think part of the the film like you said the family is the family the film is about family. Yeah. Part of it. I, I I did love uh, everybody's performances. I was really pleased, uh, especially I should say Joaquin Phoenix at first and John C. Riley at first. Just like you said in the first act, tough to get into, tough to kind of fall into. I was like, I don't I don't get these characters. Like it, they kind of just sound like they're announcing their lines to the room. Like it was really tough for me to kind of fall into. But 
about halfway through the movie, I really started to fall, started to get into it. And it's like, okay, I, I, I get these guys. I feel like I understand them. But in a similar way, it's the same way with Jake Gyllenhaal and Riz Ahmed. That when, when they're introduced, it's like, I don't really get it. And then I, I, I start to over time, but like just really tough to kind of fall into where the movie wants me to be. And I'm not sure why that is because it's not a poorly made film. It's really right, yeah. well put together for what it's worth. The sound, the sound editing was fantastic man they've got this great the movie opens with this like the the sound of a gun when it goes off there's this bang like it just resounds through the theater people in the theater near me kept jumping every time a gun went off right. because it was so like loud and, and caustic um which obviously is a, a, a auditory indicator of of like death and life and you know things going off the crack of a gunshot and uh, the movie's beautiful. It's it's got this warm like kind of tone over everything. It's got these beautiful landscape shots, but a lot of stuff. I felt like it, it failed to to have a lot of establishing shots, which sounds right, silly, yeah. but yeah, there's never a shot like outside of town at sunset. They're always just either in town or they're not. Like they're either at they just kind of get there. Yeah, they're kind of just there, uh, and and the movie just kind of keeps up with them that way, which made it feel like it lacked an odd sense of setting. Right. Which maybe was part of the point that everything's supposed to blend together for the sisters brothers. They're just going to the next job, the next thing, you know, they don't, nothing matters anymore, but I don't know. It made it tough to get into. Right. I I was going to mention we, it does check off all the, the Western boxes, but you know, in a good way, we get big landscapes, we get horses, we get shootouts, we get cowboys, we get saloons. Uh, So it, it feels like a, a Western. We get all those kind of iconic Western moments. Um, getting back to as far as what the film is about, I think in the end, uh, one of the major themes is greed. Um, but like how greed can poison even a good man uh, because there are, like I said, everyone in the movie is after what Herman Warm has for one reason or another. And, um, you know, it, it it's a little bit of a, of a poison treasure which is a famous uh, trope that, uh, that we find in lots yeah. lots of film. Um, but it, in the end, I think that that's, that's kind of the theme because the just like, sorry, let me back up to yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the greed thing. Joaquin Phoenix wants to kind of take over being in charge of the Commodore. He like does. he wants to be like, he's greedy for position. Some people are greedy for money. And it, there's, like I said, that's just a real strong central theme. And it also has a little bit of an environmental theme as well. Which I don't want to get too much into. I suppose but that's, it does. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. There's a little bit of environmentalism in there, which is strange. But <laughs> yeah, this is the gold it, rush. It, exactly. people digging up riverbeds and whatnot. I, I get it. Sure. Um, the, the the most core theme, I think, is family, right? Yeah. Uh, which, I, in a way, I don't know about you, but not to get too far into the ending of the movie because I don't want to give it away for anybody. Uh, felt a little heavy-handed by the end. Like, by the time it got to credits, it was like, okay, it felt like it beat me over the head with it. Sure. And maybe that was just to round up because, again, it, by, at the beginning of the movie, I really struggled to get where it was going. Um, by the end of the movie, it, it was, like, almost too much. I, my, my, my biggest critique of this film, and this might be the most damning way to say this, it felt like Coen Brothers light. Right. It felt like you had all of the elements of a Coen Brothers film, but it, they weren't put together like a Coen Brothers puzzle. Right. It just didn't go together the way it should. And like it had humor and it had character and it had highs and lows, it had happy and sad, it had violence, it had peace, but it never came together in a way that just has that has that touch. I don't I don't know. It's hard to describe. Uh, I just, it just didn't get there for me. Yeah, like I said, it it got there eventually. 
Yeah. But, but it, it took some convincing. Like I said, the first act, I, I was really a little lost in, in where it was going tonally, narratively. Um, but eventually it starts to become more cohesive, and I was really on board with it by the end. I do want to say, uh, and again, not to get too too spoilery into, into how this movie ends. It's not really what I'm going for here, but hear me out. Uh, the original True Grit, starring John Wayne. Right. right? Uh, the ending of that movie was was praised back when it came out, way back in the day. But over time, it became be, began to become criticized because in True Grit, you've got the story of a young girl who's seeking revenge after her father is killed, I think. And John Wayne rides into town and helps her out and then rides off into the sunset and everything's happy. And hey, they got the guys that killed your dad. Things are good. Uh, the Coen brothers remade it. And they did this great thing at the end where they actually follow up and they see that the girl is not happy. After the guys who killed her father are dead. She's, she's not any better. She's worse because she's lived her life seeking revenge. And it turns out she she, she becomes this old, bitter old maid. And, like, yeah. nothing good ever works out. And, like, there's really a charm there in the in the Coen Brothers film because it's so much more true to life. Like, yeah. there, there, there's something there. And, again, like, it's Coen Brothers remake. I get it. I'm praising the Coen Brothers. But this movie has that, but in an oddly unsatisfying way. Like... Because it really lays it on thick, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, y- you live a damning lifestyle, you know, things catch up with you. That's something that chases the Sisters Brothers throughout the whole movie. They even talk about it at one point. They're like, well, guys are going to keep coming after us. And if right, we don't kill yeah. them, more guys are going to come after them. You know, like we're going to, we're going to, we're just going to be on, on the run for the rest of our lives. Um, and they, they deal with that in the film, uh, in, in, in a very satisfying way, I think. But following that, like the actual, I don't know, punishment, the, the reprimand for, for, for crimes committed just doesn't come out to be all that satisfying for me. I, I like the ending on it from an emotional standpoint, but logically I just felt conflicted, I guess. Right, well, I, I mean, with John C. Riley's character, at least, I, I feel like, you know, he doesn't want to be in this lifestyle. He doesn't want to have to do that. I feel like right. Joaquin Phoenix is the character who kind of goes through ha- more of a redemptive arc. Yeah, John C. Riley is arguably the main character, right? I mean, yeah. yes, I, I would say he is the main character of the Sister Brothers. Uh, and he's great, by the way. Everybody in this movie is fantastic. I think we already said that. Um, Andy, why does it sound like I don't like this movie? Because I, I, I do kind of <laughs> like it. I, I guess I just, damn it, I kind of don't like it. <laughs> there are some real strong parts to it. There are some weaker parts. And like I said, the, the movie's almost, it feels like in reverse. Because usually films, especially bad ones, they'll start strong and then go downhill. This one starts weak and gets better Yeah, the longer it goes. Andy, would you recommend the Sisters Brothers? Uh, I would absolutely. It, I really liked it. In the end, uh, you get all the all the the Western icons that uh, that you want. Um, so if you're a big fan of the Western or neo Western, I think it's definitely the one to see. I'm a big John C. Riley fan, big Walking Phoenix fan. So uh, it was definitely up my alley. Man, I uh, yes with caveats, right? Uh, that's how yes always go, goes, yeah. right? Uh, I, I normally for somebody like me, I, I'd recommend it out of curiosity. I wanted to see what Joaquin Phoenix is up to. I love John C. Riley. I think the guy's great. Uh, I'm I'm a diehard Gyllenhaal fan, and Riz Ahmed's really cool. I wanted to see what they were up to, and I love a good western. I'll never forget. I, w- I was most surprised when I saw 310 to Yuma. You remember that movie? Yeah, I saw that in theaters. Christian Bale and uh, the remake. Christian Bale and uh, Russell Crowe. Yeah, and I, I was I was like stunned at how much I enjoyed it. Like I I love a good western. I, I do. Um, and while this one didn't add up to be more than the sum of its parts for me, I don't think it's that way for everybody. I think there's people out there who will like this. I just had trouble getting into it. Right. Um, so I'd recommend it if you're a big Western fan, if you're a fan of a couple or any of these actors, I'll bet you'd really be into it. 
it wasn't for me, and if it's not for you, write us in and tell us why. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, wait for streaming would be the the other thing I would say if, right. if you're if you're unsure. I if you had to guess, what you, Amazon probably would would get this movie. Uh, maybe Amazon or Netflix. Yeah, it's hard to, hard to say. Uh, I did want to mention uh, Riz Ahmed, who is I feel like he's just popping up in in everything. He's about to this next week. Now, to, yeah, he he's in Venom uh-huh. uh, that's coming up. I'm sorry, I'm trying to very. As far quick. as I know, he's the central villain in Venom, which uh, interesting casting to me. That's right up there with Charlie Day and Pacific Rim Uprising. But all right, man, yeah, you you go with you. Let's let's see the 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 weaselly little villain, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, he was also in Rogue One. Of course, um, I'm trying trying to think, but I, he's just he's in he's an up and coming star. I yeah. think uh, tremendous. And I know this isn't a television podcast, but the night of on HBO, right? Really good stuff. If you haven't seen that, check that out. Uh, Riz Ahmed's going somewhere. Yep. Definitely. And speaking of going somewhere, that about wraps our show. <laughs> this is one of our <laughs> nice short, segue. One of our shorter episodes, believe it or not. Uh, I do want to talk about what we're doing this month. I want to keep talking about horror movies. And this so bumps me out because I've been talking about watching horror movies alternatively for like months. I was like, we're going to watch a theat- theatrical film and we're going to watch a good old fashioned horror. I want to hit the big ones. I want to do The Shining. I want to do the original Halloween. I want to do The Exorcist or Nightmare on Elm Street or, or, or some Cronenberg films. And looking at the October breakdown of, of what's coming out, man, we don't have time for any of those. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so here's what we're watching next week. Next week, we'll be checking out Venom and A Star is Born. Both tremendous, I hope. One is clearly going for the Oscars. Yes. And the other is A Star is Born. So <laughs> we'll see what those are about, and we'll get back to you. Uh, should we talk about what else is coming out in October? Is yeah, it worth I think it? So. Yeah, I think so. We got it typed up. Why not? Yes. Uh, the rest of the stuff coming out in October, there's some big releases. We also have First Man and Bad Times at the El Royale, which we're looking forward to the week after next. Following that, the Halloween remake, just called Halloween. So not the old Halloween, damn it. The new one, hopefully it's good. Written by Dana McBride and mid nineties. That's right. We've seen the trailer for a billion times, That's and right. then I finally didn't have to see it this weekend. Really? Yeah. In front of what? Sisters Brothers? Mandy, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I, yeah. It didn't. It come. Didn't run in front of Mandy. Yeah, it right. didn't run in front of. Either. Well, if you go to if you go to an art house theater, right? It's going to be. That's true. Uh, the last week of October, we're going to catch Beautiful Boy, the new uh, Steve Carell, Timothy Chalamet film uh, that is actually coming out uh, about halfway through October, but I don't know if we'll be able to find screening. So we're hoping by the end of the month, we'll see it. We're also going to watch the new Suspiria remake by Luca Guadagnino. Very excited about that. Yeah. I still need to go see the old one and Texas Theater is running a couple screenings. Maybe we should try to catch it. So we'll see. Let's see. Now I don't know uh, what I should do because... I can only experience the story once, and I don't know. You're if, right. I don't know. Do you go see the old one first in preparation of the new one, or you just go in fresh and see what the new one's I, about? I think I'm going to go in fresh. I don't I don't want to because I'm just going to be comparing it the whole time. I'd like to see the old one, but I think you're right. I, I Almost like Mandy, like, I, I think Suspiria has always been this kind of like – I mean, check out, the tra- check out the trailer for Suspiria, the first – uh, 92 minutes are almost as scary as the last 12. Uh, it, it is so odd. And, like, it's a weird trailer, and it looks strange. It, I don't think it's a traditional slasher. I've tried to watch it a few times. I don't really know what it's about. The remake looks even more weird. So, yeah. for what it's worth, yeah, maybe it's worth just going in and not knowing what we're going to get into. Also, well, also worth noting that the remake is an hour longer than the original. Yeah, which is tremendous. Like, what more could you have to do? But I, I like to think... 
Luca Guadagnino, I'm like, maybe he can get that, that, that tone, you know, those long takes. There's nothing happening. I'm in quiet, you know, and then it gets nuts. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what they're going to do with it. I'm excited to see it. Though. I mean, so, yeah, we're looking at two hours, 40 minutes. Uh, this better be some. Is that two hours and 40 minutes long? Yeah. Yeah, the first, the original hour and 40 minutes or so. So almost a whole hour longer, I think. It's I, a, so we're getting we're getting into shining levels of of length I know, and yeah. breadth. So I know I, I'm I, I'm expecting a lot. I know I'm I'm bragging on Texas theater because I I've been there twice now and I, I love it. Uh, if they were doing it there, I will bet they do an intermission and that's the way I'd want to see that movie. Give me a five minute break in between. Yeah, let me, let me get up, stretch my legs, figure it out. That might wor- that might ruin tone, but man, when you're doing a horror and you're over two and a half hours, you gotta have some good stuff to keep people tuned in that long. It's gotta be yeah. I mean, I'm I'm half half the reason I just want to see is like what are they gonna do for two and a half hours? Right. How long is The Shining? Two forty. Two twenty. And The Shining is a slow burn. There's also multiple cuts that some are a little bit longer or shorter. It moved a long cut. <laughs> Yeah, that's how we do it on off script. The longest cut you have, please. Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I'll take the four hour. Give me the four hour cut. I'll take it. Uh, If you want to be involved with the show, if you like what we had to say, if you think we should have said more, if you think we should have said less, if you have some horror films you like to watch or you have some recommendations for us, email us at mail at offscriptfilmreview.com. Also check out our website offscriptfilmreview. Dot com. Check us out on Facebook. I think that's where we're going to dump this uh, streaming horror film list probably later this week. So throw us a follow and get involved with that. You can also see clips of the show. Uh, you can Facebook message us. Go ahead and do that. Uh, email, uh, email us. Tweet at us. Uh, at Offscript Review on Twitter. We're on Instagram. I don't know anywhere we're not, Andy. So We're everywhere. We're, <laughs> I don't think we're on YouTube. We'll we're not on LinkedIn just we're yet. Not, we're not on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, excuse us. Uh, from all of us at Offscript, the home of Bold Cinema, I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for listening.